Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I appreciate you all joining me today, and I hope that the week is treating you well so far. Today, our title of our podcast episode today is called Conform or Transform. And our central main focal scripture today is found in Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse, which reads, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's look at a couple of those words. To conform in the Greek means to assume a similar outward form by following the same pattern. This is like putting on a mask as in a masquerade type of act. People who are under the rule of sin, slaves to sin, have conformed to the world of its flesh and desires. Transformed in the, in the Greek means that there is a change in outward appearance. It's where we get our English word for metamorphosis. The same word is used in the transfiguration found in Matthew. We as Christians ought to exemplify our new inner self that is redeemed daily. This is the best testimony we can show the unbelieving world because it isn't from our own power, but by the power of the redemptive work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So not only are we going to be in Romans the 12th chapter in this in the second verse. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians because in this book we're going to be looking at two separate very important details about the flesh and about the spirit. Now turn with me to Galatians the 5th chapter and we're going to start in the 17th verse. And this is what it says. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not enter or inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, that was kind of a mouthful there. So we're going to go through, as you can probably already guess, we're going to go over either conform to the world or be transformed by Christ. Now, verse 17 says that the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, capital S. Our natural desires do not please the spirit, or can they please God? Our flesh sets its desires against the spirit. That's why we're in a big spiritual battle. Now, the deeds of the flesh were found in the 19th verse. We're going to go over what those all are. Let's start with immorality. Immorality is any act outside of God-ordained marriage between a man and a woman. That is it. We said that a few episodes ago, and there's no way around that. Now, the world that we live in says that 
you can do whatever it is you want. And that's not what God has said to be true. We have twisted the word tolerance. We have twisted the word love to mean things that are absolutely despicable and completely wrong. Now I can go on a, a rant on that and we'll maybe do that another time. But what we have to understand as Christians, and this is where we fall short, we get to a point where we lash out and we don't show love to people and we create hostility. Now, does that mean that we have to tolerate that as well? No, it does not. But we don't go out and protest and riot and all these type of things. All we do is show love to those people because they're the mission field. And, you know, there's we we get fo fixated on one specific sin when there is so many sins out there that people are struggling with. So we can't get fixated on one specific thing and go to war at it with all of our hearts because it's just too easy for the world to then eat us alive. We're, our job is not to play judge. Our job is to love people, but more importantly, to live our lives in such a way that outsiders must react. And when they react, and when we have a door that's open in a relationship with another person, then we must confront them in love with a very, very sincere heart, but also with, with grace in our speech. And here's the thing. One of the things that we must understand is that everybody is made in the image of God. No matter what they do, what they do is ultimately between them and God. Has nothing to do with us. Now, sometimes we have family members that fall into very, very sinful categories. But whether they're family members, friends, co-workers, whatever it is, what we need to understand is that we cannot compromise the Word of God. We cannot compromise our walk with God. We need to stand on the truth, but we present the truth to them in a loving, Christ-focused way. Because if we never tell them the truth, their fate could be in our hands. And that's something I don't want on my conscience as I approach the judgment throne of God. So, yes, are we supposed to be friendly to people? Absolutely. Are we supposed to love people? Yes, we are. Are we supposed to present them with the truth and let them know that their sinful desires and their sinful way of life could very well be sending them to hell. Yes. We need to do that. Because if we don't do that, we don't really love people. I'm not looking for people to tell me what I want to hear. I need people to tell me what I need to hear. And sometimes those conversations are very challenging. But if you do it in a Christ loving, heartfelt desire in a loving way, then sometimes the truth does hurt. And maybe that might affect that relationship, but at least they can never say, well, Nate never told me. Now let's look at sensuality. 
This means an excessive behavior or lack of restraint. Basically do it because it feels good. And that is so prevalent in our world today. There are so many people out there living life excessively with no restraint, doing whatever they they feel. And this is dangerous because that's what the world says to do. Love has no limits. Love has no boundaries. Basically, if you want to go party and participate in orgies and drugs and drinking, you know, that's fine. Just don't do it in excess. And, you know, if you do, haha, we'll laugh about it later. But it's not a laughing matter. And that's what people, they, they don't understand the severity of their actions. Yeah, it may seem great. And look at the ads on TV. They they always show people, young people, drinking at parties, and the atmosphere is very clean. And there's you know girls wearing like provocative shirts and and shorts, and guys are all ripped and muscular, and everybody's laughing and smiling, and everybody can dance super well, which is amazing. And yet they don't show the hangovers. They don't show the alcohol poisoning. They don't show the addiction. They don't show the rape. They don't show you name it. They don't show that because sin wants to make itself as desirable as possible. And that is not the truth of sin. Sin is very ugly. Sin is destructive. Sin doesn't care about you. Sin only wants to see you fall. So don't flirt with sin. Don't play around with it. You need to kill it. Whoa, this has got deep. This has got real. Yes, you need You need, and I need to kill the sin in our lives. Well, how do we do that? Well, first off, we have to have a deep desire to not be sinful, and that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. But secondly, we need to get in the Word. And we need to pray for the areas of our lives that we struggle with. Maybe yours is anger. Maybe yours is doubt. Maybe yours is worry. I don't know. But we need to get rid of, you know, maybe let's take it a step farther. Let's get a little more real. Maybe you struggle with pornography. Maybe you struggle with your spouse. And you have people at your work that you... I don't know if, man, they treat me nice and, you know, they're always there for me and uh, it's not going so well at my household. So I don't know. And anything that contradicts the word of God is sinful. So I know I spent a little bit of time on both of those, but those are just so, immorality and sensuality are two huge problems in America today. And I'll tell you, it's it's hard to see it on TV because we usually stop the TV and talk about it. And I know that doesn't happen in a lot of households, and I'm not trying to say I'm the best parent of all time because I'm not. But I tell my kids all the time, this is not what it appears to be. Do not be deceived. And that's the biggest problem. Sin is very deceitful. The devil is very deceitful. And he tries to trick you and play and play mind games and tell you, you know, did, did God really say you can't party? Did he really say you can't do this? Does he actually say that? And that's a dangerous game to play because if you are not in the word of God and you're not in prayer and you're not in the will of God, you are really susceptible to demonic attack. And no, it's not like in the movies where this black shadowy figure stalks your family. That's not what we're talking about. But there are temptations and desires out there that are looking to destroy you and your family. It's not a game. This whole conformity is not a game. Let's look at the next one, sorcery. The Greek word for sorcery, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, Harry Potter and spells and stuff. No, this is where we get the word uh, pharmacy from. So medicines or drugs that are mind altering. You could also say this is the occult or witchcraft as well. 
I could go in this one deep, but a lot of people are now, for whatever reason, getting into mind-altering substances. They want to escape this reality and go to a virtual reality. And trust me, virtual reality games are fun. Virtual reality drugs, not so much. Now, again, I could go on this a little deeper, but there are a lot of drugs out there that will take you to these places and almost appearing real. And a lot of people are falling into this category. Why? Because they think this world is so doom and gloom, so full of despair. There's no hope. So they just, they go into it. And I'll tell you right now, I have neighbors that fall into that category. And to my own shame, guess what I'm doing? Absolutely nothing. I know they're on drugs. What is preventing me from going over there, knocking on the door and saying, do you want to come to church? Do you know Christ? I mean, why am I not doing that? Do I, do I not love people that much to, to give them the only hope that there is on planet Earth? Those, th that's the thing I've been struggling with. There's no excuse for it. And there's no excuse for you who's listening right now not to offer the same hope to those around you. We all have people in our circles. I mean, listen, the, the first three things, immorality, sensuality, and sorcery, we just uncovered what those mean. Aren't those major problems? Yeah, listen to this. These next four fall in the same, uh, in the same category. Enmity, strive, dissensions, and factions. These are manifested in our relationships with others. Anger is a primary root for all these ungodly characteristics, I would even say as well as pride. I mean, this is a whole can of worms right here. I mean, enmity, strife, dissensions, factions. This is all over. This is in the workplace. You get people who form their own groups and their own cliques. Next thing you know, you have the workplace divided in two. Matter of fact, we just did an episode on that called A House Divided, which if you haven't checked that out yet, go back a few weeks and check it out. But... I'm going to leave that one alone because we did hit on that in that episode. But I'm telling you, this it doesn't just hit the workplace. This can hit in the home. This can hit at your church. This can even hit within yourself. So you need to be very careful when it comes to those things. Now, this next one, these next two, drunkenness and carousing. This includes partying, orgies, referring to all the rowdy, boisterous, and crude behaviors you could think of. And I know we could get into this, drunkenness. And I will just say my two cents on this. People get drunk. People take drugs. And they go and try to have relations with other people. And they try to act in such ways that I think deep down they know that they're wrong. And there's just so much despair and hurt that they just push it off to the side and just go for it. And they just go all in. But all these things occur because people are looking for hope. They're looking for security. And they're looking for salvation and they just don't know where to look. They look in relationships, can't find it. They look in drugs. It just leaves them feeling worse off than they already were or addicted to it. That They can't live without it. I mean, people scour the streets looking for money, doing anything they can. They steal from their family members. They do anything and unspeakable acts to be able to get drugs and alcohol. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. That sounds like slavery. And I know this was an in-depth look at those desires of the flesh about being conformed. But we look at the specific deeds of the flesh. Because 
Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart and it pierces and it seemingly is piercing. I mean, the, the deepest of the deep between the joint and the marrow. Now, I have to ask you this question. Is this what you practice? Those things we just talked about, immorality, sensuality, sorcery, enmity, strife, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, carousing. Are you doing those things? Verse 21, though, is very key. I want you to listen to this. With which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. If you practice those things, you will not enter the kingdom of God. When you put your trust and faith in Christ, when you repent of your sins, and when you are obedient to become baptized into Christ, our desires change from those that we just read about to the ones to come in just a moment. Our desires change. What happens a lot of times when people get baptized is they don't do it for the right reasons. And we talked about that a few weeks ago in our episode of baptism. But one of the things that happens is that people will not repent of their sins, which is clearly one of the first things we need to do upon hearing God's word. And when we're feeling cut to the heart or pierced to the heart, we repent of those sins, truly repent with God-like sorrow. And so a lot of times what happens is people don't do that. They don't repent. They think, you know what? God loves me for who I am. And he's just happy the way I turned out. So, you know, I, I'm okay. He's going to do great things for me now. That is completely false. We are wretched sinners. Our sins have offended a holy and righteous God. Our sins have separated a righteous, holy God from our presence. And there's no remedy outside of Christ. It says that God is angry with the wicked every day. And it also says that he abhors the wicked. That's very hostile, very strong language. So we can't sit here with this new age, new wave Christianity that says, you know, God loves you unconditionally and he's just looking to fulfill all your needs and he wants to make deals with you and he wants to fulfill all your dreams. And he loves you just as you are. And that's not completely true. That's a false gospel. That's a prosperity gospel. Verse 21 is so black and white. If you practice those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very simple. Now, all the deeds of the flesh are glorified by the world. And if you are a part of that, you are really missing out. I'm telling you, you are really missing out. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It doesn't get any crystal clear than that. It really doesn't. So we think the way we live is right. We think we got it going right. Everything's going good. And man, I just feel great, man. I, I, I'm having a good life and, you know, I'm partying and I'm doing all these great things. And, but its end is the way of death. And we think that's living and we're not. Real living comes when we're transformed by Christ. And that's what we're going to look at next, being transformed by Christ. Being transformed can simply mean that we were one way and now we are completely different. Almost in a way when somebody got a new set of clothes. Instead of our old sinful grave-based clothes, because that's what we are when we're conformed to the world, we're in our grave clothes. But now in Christ, we are now clothed in him. 
with our new pure clothes that come from his righteousness. When we put our trust and faith in Christ, we surrender to his lordship. It says that in Galatians 3.27, that those who were baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. That's amazing stuff. This also means that we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness, as it says in Romans 6.18. We pursue the heart of God, the heart of Christ, and how do we do that? Through the work of the Word, in the heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must dig into the Word daily, pray, and be abundantly fruitful by obedience to the word of God and producing the fruit of the spirit, which we're going to look at now. So let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I know we already read this, but it's always good to go back over things. Starting in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law, which basically means do it however much you want. So let's look at love. This is not a romantic, emotional, physical attraction type of love. This isn't about family love either, but it is a respectful, devotional, self-sacrificial type of love. A benevolent love for one another. A God-like love. Matter of fact, we did an episode series on love a few months back. So I'd highly encourage you to go back and check that out for more information on love. Let's look at joy now. It is happiness based on divine promises and eternal spiritual realities. A sense of well-being because we all know that all is well with us and the Lord. It isn't due to circumstances. I got this, so now I'm happy type of thing. But it is a gift from God that remains even when the tough times come. And brothers and sisters, we know that the tough times will come. But Jesus clearly says in John 16, 33, that in the world you have tribulation, but take courage for I have overcome the world. Jesus triumphed over the world. He overcame the world through his death, burial, and resurrection, so that through him and him alone, we are able to overcome the world, not by our own strength, but by Jesus's power, through his righteousness. And that is the joy that can never be stripped away from us. And it is such a gift from God because a lot of times we confuse joy and happiness because Happiness is based upon the circumstances that happen in our lives. Oh, wow, I got a bonus at work. That means I'm super happy now. This joy that we're talking about is like a deep underground spring. And that can never be taken away. And now let's go to peace now. Peace is the inner calm that results from the confidence in one saving relationship with Christ. Let me say that again. Peace is the inner calm that results from the confidence in one's saving relationship with Christ. How come Christians are so calm even when there's these massive storms in their life and, and these challenges and these stressful and anxiety-filled situations. How are they so calm? That comes from Jesus Christ. I heard a quote the other day I thought was very appropriate for now, but they said that Christians are invincible until God's will for their life is accomplished. And that is so true. And a lot of times what you see is people on very strict diets, taking vitamins and working out rigorously, and they think that by those things that they are going to extend their lifespan. And the reality of that is that God holds all of our lives in his hand. And the reason why we don't like that is because all those things I just talked about 
you know, eating right, exercising and doing all those things that takes the control out of our hands. Now, am I saying that we should not do those things? No, I'm not saying those things. And I believe those things are very valuable to be what God has called us to be. He has called us to not only walk in the way Jesus did and be holy, but he calls our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we ought to take care of our bodies very well. And some of the stuff that is out there is not good for us. And so, yes, we should take care of our bodies. But again, we're talking about peace here. And peace is understanding that God is sovereign and he is God and we are not. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And this is an area in my life I have to work on myself because I'll be completely open right here. When my children get sick, I start to get to a little bit of like a panic mode or like a worry mode. And we know that Jesus said not to worry. And what I said before about God holds all of our lives in his hand and we are invincible until his will for us is accomplished. Well, worrying about stuff, having anxiety about things doesn't make the situation any better. Matter of fact, it makes it worse. And I had to find that out just recently the hard way. And I was told to put my faith where my mouth is. And honestly, that was very good advice because here I am telling all of you and also telling myself that we need to have faith in God and his sovereignty. And he is the Lord of all creation, God of all things and nothing that moves and, and is, is in existence without his will, without his say. So uh, if I'm not following that, then that just means I'm a flawed human being, just like you and I would easily admit that. But peace is something that God has given us through his son and through the Holy Spirit that goes beyond all understanding. And so let's go ahead and move on to patience. Patience is the ability to endure injuries like physical, mental, even spiritual caused by others and a willingness to accept irritating and painful situations the way Christ did. Now, I know that was a mouthful there, but it's the ability to endure. Can, can you say confidently that you endure things? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And this is one of those fruits of the Holy Spirit that stings a little bit because patience is running dry in this in this world and in this country. We don't have patience with one another. We we don't want to be patient with one another because we are an instant gratification type of society. We want things right now, and there is no patience to work for it. And there are situations that are irritating. The one thing I go to right off the top of my head is driving. Driving is a very irritating experience if you're outside of the spirit. And even some people in the spirit have issues too. Where again, we're all flawed human beings. But and that that's a minor thing compared to a lot of things. But you know, but patience as a whole, especially during the pandemic, you're you're start you're finding out that people are losing what it means to be a human being, to treat others with respect and to love one another. And we, we've forgotten that. And that's a perfect segue into our next one. Next through the spirit is kindness. Kindness is tender concern for others reflected in a desire to treat others gently, just as God treats the believers. I really like that first part, a tender concern for others. Do you care for other people more than yourself? That is something that does not come naturally. Some people exhibit that 
type of quality of the spirit better than others. But that is not something that comes natural. And, and what does come natural is being kind to people that are kind to you. The minute we have any type of opposition, the minute someone wrongs us, we're done. I was in a line today at the store and I heard this lady talking to another lady because she was talking relatively loud. And she basically said that, well, if I was in that situation, I would punch him in the face. And as much as that is just talk, but the fact that that is actually being spoken out loud in public for all the world to hear, that is the attitude of the world. If someone crosses you, we don't want to show kindness. We like to put that stuff on t-shirts. We like to have as, as slogans, be kind, kindness over hate. We always see those things. But those are the people that wear those t-shirts and, and rage the most because human kindness only goes so far. We need kindness from the spirit. Let's go to goodness now. Goodness is moral and spiritual excellence manifested in active kindness. Are you actively kind? Are you showing others kindness? True kindness from the Lord. That's a big, that's a big, big one there. Let's go to uh, faithfulness. It is loyalty and trustworthiness. I know that's really simple, but that's, that's what it is. Are you a loyal servant of the Lord? Are you trustworthy? And loyalty and trustworthy are two areas that I would really love to see come back, not only in just the family life, but also the workplace. The minute someone gets a great opportunity, they're gone. And the minute that uh, something shiny appears greener on the other side of the fence, they're going to take that opportunity and run with it. And a lot of people get hurt along the way. Uh, just to let you in on my heart a little bit here, I am a very loyal individual. And uh, I, I take that very serious. But one of the things that I find most disheartening, and I'm not trying to turn this into a sour situation here, but this is something we need to work on in the church. And we need to work on our one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord. Are we faithful to Him? Are we faithful in reading His Word? Are we faithful in prayer? Are we faithful in fulfilling the Great Commission? Are we faithful in obeying His commands? And if you look at yourself soberly, the answer is probably no. Now, that doesn't mean we stop trying, but that just gives you a good view of how we measure up to Christ, and it doesn't even come close. And so these are the type of things that we have to work on. So, so far we went over love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and now faithfulness, and we have just a two left. But if you have hung your head at any point so far, uh, you're in good company. You're right where you need to be because you know that, uh, you know what? I just don't love people the way I ought to. And I don't love God as I ought to. And I, you know what? Sometimes I don't have joy. Sometimes I, I don't have the peace that I know that God offers and he gives us graciously. And I'm not patient with other people. And sometimes I'm not kind. And sometimes I don't display goodness. And sometimes I'm unfaithful. And I tell you, those are, like I said before, when I read the word, two things happen. I'm amazed and I'm convicted every single time. Even going through this study now, I, I'm just I'm shaking my head at myself because I know that there are all these areas that I could be so much better in, and I'm not. 
And that's why I need the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to keep keep working on me, to keep sanctifying me, to make me into the image of his son, to be transformed into his likeness. And that's the goal. Let's look at gentleness. Gentleness is being humble and gentle in attitude that is patiently submissive in all things, never looking for revenge or you owe me something. Are we gentle with others? That is a big time question. And these last four kind of go hand in hand, maybe except for faithfulness here. But gentleness, uh, are you humble? Are you gentle with other people? That's something I'm trying to work on as well. And the last one, which is uh, most of us are going to hang our heads on this one. So be prepared. Here we go. Self-control. Self-control. And self-control is restraining oneself in regards to passions and the appetites of the flesh. Self-control is so difficult because that does not come naturally. What comes naturally is a lack of self-control. Just do what you please. There is no cap. There's no limit. You just, you just go, go, go. Zero to 60 as fast as you can. And you're always pursuing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So although the transformed part of this is supposed to be a little more upbeat and a little more joyful, if you will, but we need to soberly look inward and reflect this week and think about whether you spent time in the flesh mostly or in the spirit. Have you been conforming to the world and its desires? Because that, my friends, is that's too easy. Just keep doing what you want. Being transformed, however, means that we understand our spiritual condition without Christ and that only by him and through him are we able to be made new and right in the sight of God. Truly transformed into a new creature, a new creation that is now pleasing to God. In Revelation 21.5, it says, Behold, I am making all things new. So, He wants to make us new. He's not transforming us because we're such good people and that, you know, God's just going to work in our lives because, you know, we actually did a pretty good job in our life. We, we've been handling ourselves really well. No, he's taking us and he's telling us, Nate, you have to die. Your old, your old self that is controlled by the passions and the lusts and the desires of the flesh, that self has to go away forever. And that is something that we don't want to give up because some of us love our lives. We love our social lives. We love the, we do love the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And we do love the pride of life. We love all those things because all those things I just named, which you've heard me say that's a lot recently, but in 1 John 2, 16, that's where that comes from. That means we're in control. We're in control of our lives. But as I said earlier, and I'm going to go back to it. Remember, it was in Proverbs. And it's such a, I mean, if there was an, any verse that would be more perfect, it's, we quoted it earlier, but Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man. Again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We're in control of things. But what does it say at the end of verse 12? But it's in, it's the way of death. So there is a way that seems right to a man, but it's in is the way of death. And that is, wow. It, it's, I mean, wow. And many people fall into this category. Many people are in church and they're going and they think they're there for the right reason. And maybe they are. And sometimes we want to treat churches as social clubs. 
just uh, a means to an, to our own ends. And we're not there for the sole purpose of getting closer with God, to, to sanctifying ourselves through the work of the word by the power of the Holy Spirit, worshiping a gracious, loving God who gave his son on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can have salvation through him by faith, by grace through faith. God is waiting and willing to make us new, to make us clean, to make us pure. We must repent, acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God himself, and we need to put our faith in him and him alone. I can tell you right now, I am not who I used to be. And a wonderful promise I will leave you with is found in Philippians 1.6. He, talking about God, who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He makes us new and throughout our lives, he keeps perfecting us by means of sanctification until the very, very end. Being in Christ is the greatest privilege, honor, and gift that anyone could ever imagine. And I can tell you firsthand, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again, and I will say it till I die. Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And I fail and fall short on a daily basis. And I don't like to admit that out loud, but that is the honest truth. But by his grace... By his mercy, by his love, he still loves me. He he puts up with me. And here's the other thing. He still calls me his friend. And he calls me his son. I mean, being in Christ is, is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me and anybody that's ever been in Christ. And that's why I'm so excited to do what I'm doing. And like I said, I'm not doing this for money because I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm doing this out of sheer devotion and sheer love of Christ. That's that's all I'm doing it for. And I'm trying to help you as brothers and sisters in Christ to grow closer to him. And the more you're in his word, the more you're in prayer, the more you're trusting him, the more you have faith in him, the more you're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the more joy, the more peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the more of those things you will have. And on top of that, all that, love. Love. You will have a deep affection for God, a deep affection for His Son and the Holy Spirit, and you'll have a deeper love for others, even the people that you don't see eye to eye with. So with that, we're going to go ahead and pray. And brothers and sisters, as we begin to pray, uh, you've heard me say this on the show several times now because we started ending our shows with prayer. And I think that's still the right thing to do. But right now, there is a lot of people suffering from this COVID stuff. No, it hasn't gone away. It's still running rampant. And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. And there's a lot of people suffering. And so we need to be mindful of those things. We need to be mindful of those. And actually, when we have people in our inner circles or people that we're close to that are affected, it becomes more real. And we know, like we just talked about before, that where we get peace from it's that inner calm because we know that we are truly invincible until God's will for us is up. Now, here's here's the kicker. We don't know when God's will for us is accomplished. But one thing we can take heart in is that God will see us through all things. He will give us his divine power to endure to be long-suffering. And in these crazy times, do not give up on the Lord. 
keep pursuing him, keep reading his word, keep gathering with the saints, keep praying. Be holy as he is holy. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your great love for us. We thank you for another day of life. Lord, we come to you asking that you would please just be with us and help us, Lord, to be more like your son. Lord, we have two choices to either conform to the pattern of this world, and that way is, unfortunately, the way of death and destruction, or we can be transformed by your divine power through your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, in which trials and tribulations will come, but in your son, we will overcome. And Lord, right now, there's a lot of illnesses out there, a lot of stresses, a lot of anxiety. There's been earthquakes across the world, unimaginable weather that has been just hurting people, destroying homes. And this world is, it seems like it's in a downward spiral. But Lord, we know that you are in control of all things, that you are sovereign over all things, and that you will help us during these difficult times, that you will sustain us and you'll help us to endure. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. Help us now to take this moment and run with it and grow closer with you this week. We ask these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. And I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.